This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide medical advice. It exists only to entertain. At the U.S. Radium Corporation, a supervisor concerned about mysterious illnesses affecting their staff of women goes to the CEO to discuss his concerns. Yes, yes, come in. Hello, sir. Uh, Sorry to bother you, but I have a concern I wanted to bring up. If you must. What's your name again? It's Bill, sir. I knew that. What do you do here again? I'm a shift supervisor, sir. That's right. That's right, of course. Well, go on. Why did you barge into my office? To be fair, I knocked politely and you invited me in. Time's wasting. What are you here to discuss? Right, right. I I wanted to bring up a staffing concern with you. I knew it. You're going to tell me that production's down. Is that it? Uh, no, no. I, I'm I'm concerned about our ability to staff to meet production in the near future, though. Oh, we can't have that. What's wrong with our staff now? Well, uh, sir, it seems uh, seems like a lot of things. I mean, uh, you see, most of the women we've hired in the past two years, they're suffering from a variety of unexplained health maladies. <laughs> they just don't make women like they used to. Back in my day, women worked in the textile mill for a nickel a day. They didn't complain about being sick all the time. Yeah, I'm a, I'm afraid it, I think it has something to do with their work environment, though, sir. Oh, nonsense. They're painting watches with glowing paint. How on earth could that cause these so-called illnesses? I'm, I'm just saying there's, there seems to be a link. We, we've had an endless stream of call-offs this week alone. We're having trouble staffing the painting stations. Maybe it's just the flu? That or it's syphilis. It's one or the other, but don't come in here like all those busybodies in the press. They're... Drumming up rumors that our glowing radium paint is causing these problems. Get our chemist to talk to the press. Surely his expertise will put these rumors to bed. Huh. Uh, sir, the, the chemist is no longer with the company. What? When did that happen? Oh, he died weeks ago. You were you were at the funeral, sir. He died of syphilis? Uh, no, yeah, he died of cancer, sir. I, it had to be syphilis. Do, do you think everyone has syphilis? Well, they, they do, don't they? Well, I'm, I'm going to go back to the production floor. I, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll keep investigating. Close that door. I can't think with all that incessant humming. What is that noise? Uh, that's the radioactive paint, sir. The, the air is literally glowing out here. I, I think it may have to do with the call-offs I was mentioning. That's rumor and speculation. There's nothing unsafe about radium paint. Uh, you're wearing a lead-lined suit. Unrelated. It protects me from syphilis. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Welcome, everyone. This is Poor Historians, a podcast delving into the archives of medical history. 
as three emergency physicians, we will explore the unusual ailments, treatments, physicians, and all related material having to do with the healing arts. I am Max, and I'm joined here by my good friends and colleagues, Aaron and Mike. Gentlemen, you ever notice that you typically answer this question in the correct order corresponding to your voices? <laughs> I, had not, I, had not, I had not noticed that. I did. And we just did it again, correct? Well, this time we had to. <laughs> we had mm-hmm. to this time. I was waiting. I wanted to answer so bad. I was like, don't answer. <laughs> I actually had money down that you were going to interrupt and screw it up. Mm. But uh, this played out nicely. So this week, uh, we uh, will have a shout out. And that being a fan that we found who or rather found us and sent us a nice email. Her name is Cherie. Uh, she is a registered nurse who came across our show and took the time to write to us and let us know that she much enjoyed it. And I hate to say this, but uh, one of her favorite parts is actually Mike's theme song. Ha! That's, Nailed it. It's a good song, man. It is. I actually, true story, people are wandering around our emergency department where we work humming our theme song. So we have done some good <laughs> in the world, I think, or Mike has at least. Mm-hmm. There it is right there. Next item, a little bit of news, not like contemporary news. There's not much going on in the world at this moment, so we'll just sort of make something up. I think that general news, and this is about as teasy as a tease gets, is that we are going to be looking to have some more content coming out in the next couple of months. And if that sounds vague, it is vague because we are still working on it. But I wanted to at least tease the idea that we will be expanding the show a little bit and probably adding in an additional show and who knows what else. So with that, I just want to leave that for the audience, whether you've been listening from the beginning or you are a new listener, some new stuff coming down the pipeline. You guys excited about that? Yeah, it should yeah, be fun. Just tickles me pink, Max. <laughs> that's, uh, that's disturbing. And it tickles me where in... my underwear sits. <laughs> Almost G-rated, I think. I Never mean, mind. it's PG, right? Is it? It's explicit mm-hmm. yeah, if it's PG. PG thirteen at best. Uh, PG doesn't that mean paragenitalia <laughs> or paragenitals, like near the genitals? Peri- well, if it's near, it's not. Anyway, well, let's stop. Let's move on. All right, moving on. Yeah, last thing. So we we haven't really done this as of yet, but as our audience is starting to grow a little bit, I just wanted to toss this out there. This podcast, like any other podcast, does rely on an audience to kind of tell other people about it. And we can do so much with promotion. We do work on those things, but it really helps if you do tell folks, uh, assuming you like the show, of course, about the show so that we get more listeners and more reason to get up, get out of bed and plug in the microphone, hopefully the right microphone, not like a couple episodes ago, Aaron. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, the wrong microphone. I was wondering about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're telling people to open up AirDrop on their phones, and when they're sitting on the bus, then you share a picture to people without their consent. That That doesn't sound legal. Look, all I'm saying is that a podcast is a lot like lice. Somebody gets it. They get infected with it, so to speak. They then get near other people, and they transmit it to other people. And then those other people get the lice and then more people get the lice. And that's basically the model we're working off of to try and promote this podcast. <laughs> You're like syphilis. Now, that, yeah. But I don't know if you need to be quite in that close contact. With mm. Mike, we dropped the disclaimer. We, we are, lice is way more G rated than syphilis. So with that, let's go on to the main, uh, main show. What you got Aaron? Oh, I got a good one. So, uh, we're going to talk about radium, the, 
healthy glow, if you will, of radioactive elements. So lots of times we talk about a glow as a sign of health, like a youthful glow, or we'll say that somebody's glowing if they seem healthy. But what if you actually glowed, like not just in a youthful sense, but literally glowed in the dark? Well, most of us these days would be a bit suspicious about that, but that knowledge has come at a price paid by previous generations. I think that's the definition of knowledge. It is the price paid by previous generations, is it not? It's, it's literally knowledge. It's literally what it is. Literally. <laughs> literally. Literally. So radiation has only recently been understood. We, we live because of a sun 93 million miles away that constantly bathes the earth in radiation, but there are lots of elements that do this. Um, up until the early 1900s, like many other things, that concept wasn't understood at all until a young woman emigrated from Poland to France at the age of 24 in 1891. Mm. Um, Marie, yeah, yeah. Marie Curie gets credit along with her husband, Pierre Curie, for discovering radiation. She is still the only woman to win two Nobel Prizes for coining the term radioactivity and discovering the first radioactive elements. Is is that all it takes to get a Nobel? You just coin mm. something? Well, I got, new, I got a new word, everybody. <laughs> I mean, I think Mike's capable of that. Oh, yeah. Did we submit easily. anything to the Nobel Committee? It has to be something other than a new word for this space. But anyway. Husqvarna. Yeah. <laughs> that's, is that is new? That I think that's already? a company. What is? Mm. Well, I don't know. Nobody will know. But did, they, did that company coin it? No, I just coined it. They, they trademarked it probably, but whatever. We should drop the uh, email link to the Nobel Prize submissions in Ooh. the show notes. How hard could that be? Uh, yeah, probably not that hard. Everybody write them an email. Dysdiaticokinesia. Is that That's also Yeah. I How long have you been practicing that word? <laughs> Necrobiosis lipoidicum diabeticorum. Is that one taken? <laughs> Okay. Also, yes. Hemosuchus <laughs> pancreaticus. Is that one taken? <laughs> I don't even know That's if I'm supposed to edit those things or not. <laughs> Oh goodness! It's a bleeding. That's three, three new. Co- that's three. That's three Nobel prizes right there. Right there. Right. You just you just coined it. So Marie grew up as one might expect for a Polish citizen in the late 1800s, under Russian control, destitute after repression and bad investments. Taught chemistry by her father, who had to smuggle instruments home. The youngest of a large family, whose mother died of TB when she was ten. So yeah, her mom was ten. Vibes. Oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> She, she, though, persevered, eventually earning multiple degrees and a PhD in Paris and meeting her future husband during her studies while working her way through school as a governess. What is that? Uh, let's see. Based on Mary Poppins, it's a lady who has supernatural powers and can conjure up all sorts of magical fairy worlds at will. Is that, is that it? Why does it sound like a menial job then? I think that's a succubus. That's, don't you profane Mary Poppins' good name that way. She's actually, have you guys practically ever perfect in read the way. gritty history of Mary Poppins? The like where it actually comes from? Like no, the movie or, or the like the folklore? It's uh, it's pretty bad. It's oh, man. really dark, dude. Yeah. Is it that Irish lady that would steal babies and kill them? <laughs> no, she would eat them. Oh, come on. I'm not looking. I don't want, I get to leave something sacred. I mean, I just have to. So anyway, Marie deserves her own episode of some podcast, but there's no medicine there. So just give me a minute. She's still, it's germane to the story. So not to shortchange the discovery of radioactivity nerds, but very basically Marie and Pierre built on work by Becquerel and Röntgen. Um, X-rays were discovered around the same time to figure out that some elements gave off energy on their own. 
Then they crushed up a bunch of other rocks to isolate the elements that gave off radioactivity. I'm sure there's more to it than that. In, interestingly, a converted shed that used to be a medical school dissection room, they found Mm -hmm. two strongly radioactive elements, polonium, named after Poland, and eventually radium. Marie was literally crushing up these rocks by hand, and her scientific notebook is, to this day, fun fact, too radioactive to be safely held, Mm -hmm. so it is stored in lead-lined boxes in France. Very interesting. I wonder, as far as elements go, there's... There's, okay, so there's earth, fire, water, and heart. Am I missing one? Wind. I didn't. Wind? Oh, that's right. Wind? Yeah, no. Heart was an element. I don't don't remember the the, the character for Radium on Captain Planet. I would love to see her forearms. I bet her forearms are ginormous. If she could crush rocks like that. That's true. (laughs) She probably looks like Popeye. (laughs) Just just by hand. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Her husband, uh, unfortunately died in a carriage accident, you know, as you know, again, just some pretty good early 1900s vibes. She, uh, continued her work, but got spurned by the academic community labeled as a Jewish homewrecker by her fellow academics, but was also given a second Nobel prize for her discoveries. And although unrecognized by France at the time, spent most of world war one coming up with portable x-ray units for wounded soldiers. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, she's just like, hey, I think I'll do this. They seem like they could use some better battlefield diagnostics. <laughs> say, there's a niche, I'm sure. Yeah. So that's like the, the tiny short version of her crazy life. The star for our story, though, is the radium because uh, we, as a society, did some special things with it. Radium gives off a lot of radioactivity and the radioactivity causes a lot of damage, but only at a very close range. And in fact, the reason she probably didn't have more effects from it sooner is because it does the most damage when it's actually swallowed. That's how close it has to be to do damage. It's an example of ionizing radiation. So particles that give off enough energy to damage human tissues. The mildest form is the ultraviolet radiation that causes sunburns with x-rays as another example. Yeah, Mike, with your understanding of calculus-based physics, as we all know, what are the different kinds of radiation? Um, there's alpha, beta. The beta radiation is always looking for validation for women. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the sigma, <laughs> gamma, gamma radiation, the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> it was green. I wonder if it was loosely based on this story. Uh, Loosely, yes, very loosely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's actually Marie Curie. You, you know what, Mike? Mm-hmm. She's crushing it. rocks. <laughs> Nailed it. She crushed it like she crushed those rocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Aaron's still trying to process the beta thing. Like, I just, yeah. What happened? Why? Oh, so, so radium, radium actually, <laughs> radium actually makes the air around it glow in the dark. It gives off enough energy to agitate the nitrogen present in the air. This glow was taken to be healthy, especially in the 20s and 30s, uh, when people weren't getting enough sunlight from their urban environment. <laughs> uh, perhaps because it was such a striking phenomenon, radium caused a, a craze of health products, including creams, tonics, and radioactive water, all for health. Hmm. Nice when you put on a cream and it's like hot to touch. Yeah, right. That's, man, it's really doing something. I could feel it just kind of making my skin warm. Radiation burn to your skin. That's right. 
a whole line of health and beauty products sprang up based on the idea that a small amount of something bad could help kind of like homeopathy, although without the explicit like for like idea. And especially since homeopathy is based on drinking water, probably way more harmful than it really. <laughs> yes. This was called, they called it radiation hormesis. Uh, the idea that a small this amount of This is a children's show. Let's not have those words tossed around. <laughs> Sorry. But, so this is the idea that a small amount of damage would stimulate the body's own repair mechanisms, and those repair mechanisms would improve more than the original damage. This is still, unfortunately, a thing today. People still think this. It does not work that way. Well, lifting nope. weights does. That's true. Right? You tear you your muscles shredded. in order for them to get bigger. Yeah. <sighs> Big sigh. Yes. I suppose. But I disproved your hypothesis. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that Nobel Prize now. It's a false equivalency. False equivalency. Uh, one example was Thoradia beauty products, which promised your skin would actually glow and which mm. came in a variety of soaps and creams in the early 30s. It was called a form of liquid sunshine to give people the healthy effect of being outside. Oh, no, man. It's fair. It's kind of a fair marketing. Yeah, it's, yeah. How far, it's not that <laughs> far off. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, you, you do actually glow. So, just imagine if they had raves back then too. Then, oh my, oh, it'd be God. perfect. Oh, that would have been the best. <laughs> the black light makes it glow even more intense. We need to get in the time machine and go back and show these people really how to use it. Yeah, we should. We got a whole bunch of ideas. When Marie Curie died of anaplastic anemia in 1934. The products took the radium out of their formula because of the bad press, although she may have gotten even more exposure from her work with x-rays during World War One. to be fair. And anaplastic anemia being essentially the radiation, medically speaking, nuked her bone marrow, so she wasn't making red blood cells anymore. Wasn't making yeah. any blood cells. Yeah, or any cells. And, and so <laughs> uh, kinda, mm, you, you okay. do need red blood cells and like all the other blood cells to continue existing, so that is a problem. Yeah, big. Yeah, it definitely is. A product called Radithor was another great example. Oh, good name. Yeah, it's a good name. You know, I mean, it was a famous patent medicine in the early 20th century. Uh, these were medicines that had secret formulas, patent medicines were, and exploded in the same era for a whole variety of illnesses. Like literally? Um, Literally, they I was going to say no, but I probably couldn't put it past some of them. (laughs) Radithor sounds like a skateboarding Marvel character (laughs) with a hammer. (laughs) He's rad, dude. Totally nar nar. He could do a kip flip, and his skateboard always comes back to him. (laughs) He lands every move. Oh my god! Every move. Get Jack Kirby on the line. I think he's dead. Oh. Actually, you know, Radithor, uh, the other name for Rodney Mullen. Nobody knows that. What? That's a, is that's, he your I mean, accountant? That's a good Who's name. That? <sighs> Come on. <laughs> Read a book. Watch a YouTube hey, Rod. video. Hey, Rod, Everybody go watch Rodney books. Mullen and appreciate that he is Radithor, the skateboarder who cannot not land a trick. Oh, okay. He's a big fan of the show, actually. <laughs> he is now. <laughs> it's the first time he's ever heard his name announced. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you guys are so far off in left field. I'm just, I'm just back at the fence watching you run around in circles. I have no idea what you're talking about, any of it, none of it. I'm lost. Sad. Literally, have no idea what you're talking about. I'll play Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Come on. Okay. Do I? 
you know, fun fact, I um, wanted to be a skateboarder, but my mom forced me to wear the helmet and the knee pads and they were yellow knee pads and we only got the narrow plastic banana boat skateboard. Mm. You can't do a kickflip with those. No, you cannot. I bet Rodney Mullen could. Probably, <laughs> probably could. So anyway, probably from another episode, but never mind. That segue didn't work. He did invent the kickflip. Radathor? Should we, should we get back? Should we keep going? <laughs> are, you, are you guys ready? Radathor was notable because it actually contained a small amount of radium and was designed to be drunk, usually daily. The drink was manufactured in New Jersey by a Harvard dropout, William Bailey, and was quite popular. Ebenezer McBurney Byers was that a, is the most fun name ever. Bees, <laughs> I know, and so obviously with that name, he was a famous socialite and head of a very large iron company of the time. This is again peak early 1900s. He would drink it multiple times daily, extolling all its virtues. He told everyone it made him feel great for about three years until he stopped when he started losing weight and getting tons of headaches. Mm. Um, yeah. Predictably, he died within a couple of years from widespread multiple cancers, with most of his teeth having fallen out along the way. <laughs> it's, in his That's case, not good press no, it's bad. And because of that, press went a long way to regulation of radioactive cures, in air quotes. All right, we fixed everything. Nothing bad happened after that. Not at all. Yep, it's all better now. His bones and teeth were affected because the body treats radium like calcium, based on its chemical size and properties and deposits radium in the bones when people eat or drink it where it sits and just irradiates everything around it that's such a bad thing just having a radioactive skeleton is it's such a bad thing do you light up even more on the x-ray like if you sure you do on a pet scan <laughs> Ooh, yeah very true <laughs> just don't don't deposit radium in your skeleton it's just so bad yeah, yeah, no, no. The The worst case of all this, though, is a famous workplace disaster that unfortunately taught us a lot about radiation exposure. Did it teach us a lot about workplace safety, though? Uh, <laughs> it, it taught us how to talk about workplace safety in a way that doesn't really stop it. Did anybody write a book about this? Yeah, I think somebody did. Uh, there is a book called Radium Girls by Kate Moore. Um, which would be an excellent place to go um, after this episode if people want to read more. But to give the uh, short version of the story, uh, early in the radium craze, an American inventor named William Hammer, which is the American counterpart to uh, Ebenezer McBurney Byers. That's a good, it's another solid name. There's a lot of solid names here. <laughs> yeah, right. He got some radium salts and found that if mixed with zinc, it could be painted on many surfaces and would glow in the dark. He, uh, started the U.S. Radium Corporation and called the paint Undark. It's just, just kind of lame. But winning mm. government contracts for his glow-in-the-dark watches and instruments spurred on by World War One, Set up shop in New Jersey and set about, again, I guess that's just where the radium went, and set about fulfilling contracts for all these watches and dials starting in the early 20s. The paint was all applied by hand, so he hired 70 or so young women to paint these dials and clock faces and so on. There were no safety precautions because um, they thought it was healthy. Maybe, I don't know. And workers were encouraged to use their mouths to keep the brush tips sharp so that they would stay in the lines when they were painting. Hmm. It seems like that's going to be a problem. Yeah, it might be right. There are stories of the women actually painting their nails and even painting their teeth with the paint because it would glow in the dark and it was fun. 
The company assured them all was safe. Wikipedia, though, notes that the supervisors would use lead aprons and tongs to handle the raw materials and noted that the chief chemist had died in the early 20s. So hmm. it seems mysterious. Yeah, a little bit mysterious. Oh, hey, guys, I'll be right back. All right. Sorry about that. I'm back. Uh, what is that? What's what? The giant barrel that was just delivered. Oh, this? This is the fuel for the time portal that we have. Ooh, pretty. Uh, is is that radium? Yep. The time portal is fueled by by radium. Well, no, not exclusively. The time portal is fueled by radioactivity. I prefer enriched uranium, but it's really hard to get nowadays. Supply chain issues? Yeah, it, something like that. I can feel the warmth coming off that. Can you close it up? Aren't we in danger sitting next to it? I don't think so. Well, I don't actually know. Aaron, what were you saying? I can't keep recording next to a radioactive barrel of radium. Are you both crazy? You guys, it's fine. I'll put the lid back on. Don't you need, like, permits for this? Where do you order a barrel of radium? No, not if you buy it with Dogecoin on the dark web. You save on tax, too. Yeah, see? You're right. That barrel is nice and warm. I know. Look at the glow all around it. It's so cool. I'm having trouble with this. Okay, fine. I'll fill up the time portal later. There. It's under a lead sheet now. Are you happy, Aaron? No, where were we? <sighs> anyway, so we were talking about this workplace where women were painting their teeth with glow-in-the-dark paint. Um yeah, the, the first medical professionals to notice the problem were dentists who found that these previously healthy young women were having a surprising amount of tooth loss, including poor healing after teeth were pulled and uh, sores and jaw pain and ulcers. Again, because the body deposited the radium in bone, the women suffered broken bones and collapsed spines, what we now call uh, pathologic fractures, where bones break for no good reason and their teeth and hair would, would just fall out. I always found that term very odd, as if there were non-pathologic fractures, like they were fractures that were good, or pathology yeah, right. seems to imply that there's something bad happening, and I feel like anytime you break a bone, <laughs> it's probably true. Always bad. I do understand the meaning of the phrase as we use it, but I feel like there's no real good fractures, are there? Like, oh, sweet. Radius is destroyed. I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> yeah, right? Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. Not pathologic, though. No. Expected. The first woman to die actually did so in 1923 after her jaw is reported to have, quote unquote, fallen off. I'm Mm. not sure what that looked like, but probably wasn't good. good. Again, we've got to keep the explicit label off. So by 1927, about 50 of the workers had died. An investigator who looked into the case noted that the workspaces were glowing in the dark and that the women themselves would glow with glowing clothes and luminescent spots all over. So basically the workplace looked exactly like a Spencer's Gifts. (laughs) Yeah, or or a rave, you know. It's just all the same. Mike's going to beatbox to the next part. Keep going, Aaron. Pants and boots and pants and pants and boots and pants. So initially, the company asked doctors and dentists. 
<laughs> we could, we could. We're in a rave all of a sudden. Uh, initially, the company asked doctors and dentists to deny there was any radium exposure. Blamed it on the x-rays they got for treatment um, for the actual uh, tooth <laughs> problems. And they also tried to blame it on syphilis, probably at least partially to shame the victims. There it goes. Yep. Those women... They uh, tried to get some sort of compensation. Uh, the U.S. Radium Corporation denied any culpability and was protected as a government contractor. Yay, yay. Eventually, they, they sued as a group of five survivors for a total of $250,000, but settled for $10,000 each, about $160,000 today, and $600 annually, about $9,500 today. None of them lived for more than two years after the settlement, so... You got to well, say it's a big win for the company there. That is one of the darker factoids I've ever heard. And uh, for anybody out there who's pretty bummed out right now, just just know that this company got what was coming to them. There were, nope, wait, hold on, not really any consequences. <laughs> they were literally in business in some form or another until 1981 because sometimes it's an awful world. Nice. What the I hell, wonder man? if there's a, there's what the a, hell? There's an error heiress running around with a Hamptons house and a speedboat based on this radium money. I bet they're on the glowing dislocated jaws of these poor people. It is <laughs> this is just atrocious. It really is. The uh, radium dial company in nearby Illinois was established around the same time and had a similar problem, as did a few other companies. There is evidence that the risk was known as the radium dial company just changed brushes from camel hair to glass, which would hold its shape better without licking. <laughs> So they figured that was the way to solve it. However, this slowed the workers down and they were paid by the piece. So all the workers went back to the camel hair brushes to make more money. Um, yeah. A group from the radium dial company eventually sued one and had to relitigate all the way to Supreme Court, but it also received some damages eventually. Well, there's some consequence to a different company. Yeah, to some extent. The story did generate a lot of publicity, and the radiation safety precautions put in place afterwards helped shield the workers on the Manhattan Project and led to a lot of protections for workers from occupational exposure, I suppose. So, so there's the upside. <laughs> yes. There we go. You know, you want to end on a high note, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, especially the, the development of the first atomic bomb. That's a good high point for us to end on. Yeah, don't worry. Aaron, uh, Aaron's next episode is going to be much more uplifting. I'm I sure. always bring the optimism on this show. All right. That is fair. Well, that uh, on that note, that is all we have time for today. We appreciate everyone listening, and we love to hear from all of you out there. Like Cherie. If you'd like to send us a message or provide feedback, we can be reached through our website at www.poorhistorianspod.com, and there you will find links to our social media sites. We take emails at poorhistorianspod at gmail.com and we work to respond to all posts on our various social media accounts. If you have time, please go and leave us a nice five-star review on whichever platform you choose. It does actually help our show grow and doesn't take much effort uh, other than some clicks here and there. If you don't want to leave five stars, never mind. I'm not talking to you. If you're old-fashioned, <laughs> take out an ad in your local newspaper. Help promote the show. Nobody will see it, but hey, we'd appreciate the effort. Until next time, poor historians signing out AMA. What do you think of that one? That's not That's bad. That's a good one. I like that one. Signing out. That's perfect. It's yeah. I like it. Yeah.
You know, you could even, uh, you could bury it too. You could say signing out AMA despite, despite advice that I would, I don't know, whatever bad thing would happen to you, you could change that part. Or not. It's actually quite good as I say it just simply. That's what if there's true. a non-medical listener listening that doesn't know what AMA means? They will, they'll have to, they'll have to Google it. Is that something? Well, then it'll just say American Medical <clears throat> Association. Mm, let me see what happens when I Google, Google sign now. out AMA. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to see. Sign out. Oh, geez. Can't type. <laughs> the first hit. The first hit is American Medical Association. Yeah. But then it, it says people also ask what does signing out against AMA mean? And there it is. Yeah. So mm. we'll get to it. But it does, it does define it. You should Google. Uh, yeah, it does. You should it Google does. boobs next. <laughs> it already tried to autocorrect to that with what I just I typed in. Do they do they have that on the internet? Boobs? <laughs> Booze? Sure. Nah, I don't I don't think so. No. It's, right. it's a family show. Oh, how about yeah, until next time, the poor historians are Googling boobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good sign out. It doesn't there's I just no... like when Mike cracks himself up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>